0: Amen and amen. Well, as we uh, as we begin a series, it's uh, uh, it's on page eight hundred and seventy six of uh, of oh that's my Bible I guess it could be different but uh, Habakkuk is one of those. Uh, uh, category one in the category called the Minor Prophets, and as I think I expressed or said last week, it isn't because it's of lesser importance, of lesser value. It's just one of the shorter, smaller uh, books that fall into the prophetic writings. So Habakkuk is is one of those little gems uh, that I that I've always been very fond of, uh, tucked away in that collection of prophetic books, and 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 really my love and appreciation for what what this prophet says is it's one of the most personal uh, it's, it's and an humanity-revealing text. It reveals the humanness of the prophet. And, and it's a personal, open, honest dialogue between the prophet and God. And I think that's beautiful. But the prophet also does something that I think is incredibly important. He gives us permission to ask God the tough questions. And folks, I I fear that sometimes within the Christian community, there's this this element of, of, of shame, maybe, that, well, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have these doubts. I'm a Christian, so I shouldn't have these questions. We need to get over that. Because we belong to this race of humanity Living in a fallen world, we live in a world of suffering and violence and, 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 and mayhem and chaos and, and all of these things. And folks, I don't know about you, but there are times I just want to say, why? Why? And Habakkuk gives us permission to do that. Now, I want to encourage you as we move through this, we always want to, to deal with God honestly, honestly with respect and reverence. But be honest. Be honest with God. And then secondly, we got to be willing to accept whatever answer he gives. And sometimes, sometimes, that's periods of silence. That doesn't mean God didn't hear. That doesn't mean he's inactive. It just means wait wait the application to the reader is exactly that the permissible uh, the questions are permissible when asking god what in the world are you doing (laughs) have you i I just want to know and no show of hand not necessarily but in in your own have you ever asked him that question what are you doing or why don't you do something Folks, I've had those questions, and I've tried to be honest with God. The one thing that we'll learn is the book of Habakkuk affirms that God is sovereign and that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient, all-knowing. Even when we cannot see the evidence of His dominion, I assure you, God is on the throne in command of all things. I think, too, this, this this kind of affirms, this book study will, will affirm my, my approach to preaching. It's a two-to-one ratio. I figure one part knowledge, at least two parts application. Does that make sense? Because there's no sense in, 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 in filling us all up with knowledge if we're not doing anything with it. So I always preach, try to preach on at least a two-to-one ratio. And maybe that's just my, my system or level of learning, but that's the way it is. So let's, uh, let's go begin our journey into Habakkuk. And if you would stand, we're actually going to read the first chapter and up through verse one of chapter two, because I believe it's an important place for us to pause also before we hear God's second response. So Habakkuk, Scripture will be on, on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 1, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. Wow. Is that honesty? Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, the Lord says. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and nasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar they fly like an eagle swift to devour they all come for violence all their faces forward they gather captives like sand at kings they scoff and at rulers they laugh they laugh at their fortress for they pile up earth and take it then they sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their god well what do you think of god's answer so far Are you satisfied with the answer yet? Things looking up? Habakkuk's not satisfied. So we read his second complaint following God's first answer. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. "'You who are of purer eyes than to see evil "'and cannot look at wrong, "'why do you idly look at traitors "'and remain silent when the wicked swallows up "'the man more righteous than he? "'You make mankind like the fish of the sea, "'like crawling things that have no ruler. "'He brings all of them up with a a hook.' He drags them out of his net, he gathers them in his dragnet, and he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Habakkuk's a little frustrated, folks. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will take up my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. In other words, I'm going to sit right here till I get the answer I'm looking for. Father, I pray that this scripture will live As it is alive, it will live in us. Father, we are surrounded by darkness. We are surrounded by violence and mayhem. We are surrounded by injustice. And yet we proclaim you are God. None like you, none above you, none more powerful. You are God. And in that, we shall find our rest. All of God's people said, amen. Please be seated. I first of all want to move very rapidly and draw your attention to the the title. I had a lot of fun with that title this week as we uh, uh, practice. I, I had a notion just at the congregation to practice saying that three times as fast as we could. But we will not do that. But I want you to know, I am not the only one who thinks in these weird patterns. Wearsby outlines the book of Habakkuk like this. Chapter 1, perplexity, faith wavers. Chapter 2, perspective, faith watches. Chapter 3, perseverance, faith worships. J. Vernon McGee outlines it like this. I want to read this. How many have ever read any of J. Vernon McGee? Isn't he great? Great old Bible teacher, Bible preacher. And uh, he says this. The well, first thing we see is the perplexity of the prophet, his first problem. The second thing we see is the perspicuity of the prophet, his practice, his patience, his pageant, his parable. And the last thing is the pleasure of the prophet, the prayer and the program. So how was that? See, I'm not the only one that's weird out there. We have the perplexing paradox of a perverted justice. We have a permanent principle and a persevering perspective. The prophet's plea, the God's principles, and Habakkuk's personal faith. Amen? Point number one Habakkuk lets his distress be known. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw. How? Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Habakkuk begins by asking questions that I believe every believer has had at one time or another but was afraid to ask. Why does God seem indifferent? Why does God seem indifferent? Habakkuk's question in verse 1, what, what, he, what he has seen or received, and, and, he, and it creates a great burden in his heart. He's receiving this vision from God, and the only way he can ex- express it is, is, it's almost like trembling faith. Trembling faith. Why, God? God, why don't you care? How long, oh God? How long? He expresses With agony, the words that he uses are filled with agony and struggle. How long and why? How long will you allow evil and why do you allow evil? Has anyone else ever had those questions? God, you not only seem indifferent, you seem to be insensitive. Sin is rampant. Why? Why? Why do I have to constantly see iniquity? Why do why do you simply ignore it? Folks, I, I'm kind of pitching our tent here for a while because I, I want us, if we can, to capture some of the anguish of the prophet. Now, now this is written at a time in between conquering nations. The nation northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrian Empire in 722 B.C. God would then raise up the Chaldeans, which we more commonly know as the Babylonians, to be the next world power. And he's judged Israel, the northern kingdom, through the Assyrian conquest and now God is going to bring in the Babylonians to destroy the Assyrians, but that's not the end of it. They're going to move south and take Judah captive. He's going to use Babylonians to judge the southern kingdom of Judah, 586 B.C. So between 722 and 586, somewhere, I believe, in the later seventh, somewhere around 615, 620 Habakkuk is speaking. Does that help give us a picture of what's going on? You've got all of these conquering nations. Israel's a mess, and judgment of Judah is coming. And Habakkuk's right in the middle of it. So somewhere around two to three decades later, Judah is going to fall. God is going to use this evil, evil empire, which we heard described in chapter 1. He's going to use this evil empire, this ruthless military, vengeful, barbaric people to judge his own people. Come on, God. What's with that? What's with that? So I, I hope maybe that, that little historical context will help us understand the anguish of the prophet. He, Israel's already fallen, and now he's seeing through prophetic eyes the fall of the southern kingdom by Babylon. We are surrounded by wickedness and there is no justice. Have you been there? Can you relate to the prophet? Welcome to the America current. The dialogue continues. It's God's turn with full disclosure. And I won't read this whole text, but but in, in verses 5 through 11, God says, Look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. That doesn't sound like inactive to me. That doesn't sound like he doesn't care. Now, now again, the details coming is they're not going to be satisfactory to Habakkuk's question he still wants more information, and he, he he's looking for a different answer. But brothers and sisters, I want you to know wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, whatever you have faced, and whatever you will face in the coming days, God will be actively participating in your life. He is never going to set Idly by He cares about your situation, he cares about your dilemma, He cares about your distress, and he is working even though behind the scenes at sometimes, God is working on our behalf. We have to believe that, brothers and sisters. We have to believe that in this dark age, in this, in this age of violence, in this age of injustice, in this age of political corruption, in all of the things that are going on around us, there is a God in heaven who is working through his people, through his church, for a greater purpose. So let's hold on. Let's hold on to that faith. So God responds with full disclosure. God answers the prophet's complaint or lament. The Lord is neither indifferent or insensitive, and He is not idle. Know this, my friend, God is always aware. Again, always working. And what He does, no matter what or how, will be for His glory and our good. God's intention God's intention, look. Look with spiritual eyes. See the wonder and be astounded. The God of heaven and the Lord of all has a plan and it's unfolding before your eyes. If you'll only look and see, church, we have to look through spiritual eyes. If if, if we limit ourselves to the physical eyes, we will be distressed. We will, we will be discouraged. We will end up in despair. But look through the spiritual eyes. Look into heaven's gateway and see God on the throne in command of all things, every situation, unfolding plan. And we know how it all ends. We know how it all ends. See the wonder and be astounded. When was the last time you were astounded at what God had done? Folks, I think we miss... We miss God a lot in our daily lives. We're so preoccupied with the things that we do and the plans that we've made that sometimes we fail to be astounded by the wonders of God. Look and see. The God of heaven and the Lord of all has a plan and is unfolding before your eyes if you'll only look and see. Brothers and sisters, friends, I encourage you to understand this is his promise to you and I today through the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. But in this next part, that's what upsets the apple cart for the prophet. Okay, God. I'm I'm okay with you up to this point, kind of. I see that you're not indifferent. I see that you're not insensitive. I I hear you. I see that you're doing something. But your instrument? The Babylonians? Really? You're going to use the Chaldeans as an instrument of your justice? What are you thinking It's who God chooses to use to complete his intentions. You're going to use who? The Chaldeans, the Babylonians. What are you thinking, Lord? Babylon has, has, has risen to a world power status, evil, ruthless, barbaric, conquering, and killing machine. They would eventually take Assyria, Judah, Egypt, and Edom. They would conquer the entire region. The Babylonian army was feared by all and they respected no one. We find that in our text. So there you have it, Habakkuk. I am going to use a ruthless, evil nation to discipline my people. What you think. What you think. So point number three Habakkuk is forced to examine his dilemma. I want to read this text again, please. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are pure eye, who have pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? But you see, leading up to that question, pause right there just leading up to that question, Habakkuk makes profound theological truths about God. He's, he's, he's not in, in theological error. He affirms who God is. But he goes right back to his human perspective. You make mankind like a fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook, he drags them out with his net, he gathers them in. Now he's talking about Babylon. He's talking about Babylon. He's personified the nation of Babylon in reference to what he is going to do. Therefore, he sacrifices to a net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Explanation. God's amazing disclosure left the prophet even more perplexed and more bewildered. Habakkuk's complaint about the sin and lawlessness of Judah was met with God's response that he was not ignorant of his people's conduct. Judgment was on its way. The Babylonians would soon take these erring people captive. The prophet was astonished, just as God said he would be in verse 5. He was appalled that Yahweh would employ such an evil instrument to punish Judah. And Habakkuk expressed a very, very deep concern about God's plan. Folks, I don't know how to emphasize anymore the bare bones human encounter with a divine God than through this prophet's story. But Lord, I have some problems with this plan. Why would you use a people of iniquity? Why would you use a people so full of iniquity? So Habakkuk begins by reminding God of who he is. Isn't this great, this human interaction, conversing with the God of the universe? And God is engaged in the conversation. The enemy of Judah will be God's means of justice. And it will take 70 years to complete when it happens. This would be the time of God's people, their, their exile in a foreign land. Well, just a couple more questions, Lord. Why would you use a people of iniquity? Why would you use a people full of injustice? They're not just. They're unjust. There's nothing but injustice in them. They're cruel. And thirdly, why would you use a people full of idolatry? Good night. We got, we got that problem in Judah right now. We had that problem in Israel. So you're bringing a like people in to judge your people. And verse 17, when will it end? Where does it stop? Stop. Well, folks, we've pushed pretty hard to get to where we're at. We haven't seen this type of violence, this type of destruction, a conquering nation in America. But we're certainly familiar with violence and chaos of murder, mayhem, all of the things that is listed in this prophetic vision. But even beyond that, let's get personal. When in your life, through situations, through suffering, through loss, through struggle, maybe it's come through death of loved ones, maybe it's come through ravaging diseases that you or someone you know is going through right now. Maybe someone you know has been a victim of crime or violence. You've suffered great loss. You've endured great pain. Have you ever asked God why? Have you ever asked Him why? Have you ever asked Him how come? How come the unrighteous seem to To prevail. Key word, seem. To prevail. I can give you all the pat answers. And it's interestingly, I had this conversation right before church this morning. When someone was sharing their heart. I can give you all the pat answers and they are correct answers. Well, we have to realize that we live in a fallen world and sin has affected everybody and sin brings with it diseases and death and all of those things but let me tell you something as good as that is and as sound as that is sometimes it just don't help are you with me are you willing to be honest with god Sometimes it just doesn't help. I want to know why I'm going through this. I want to know why my children die. I want to know why they're suffering. I want to know why people get cancer at all kinds of ages. I want to know why babies are still being killed in the womb. I want to know why. I want to know why. Have you been there? Have you been there? Have you had guts enough to be honest with God? Why would anybody want to try to hide their thoughts? It's a whole lot easier to let them rip, folks in their private times with the Lord. And please understand, I am not encouraging our prayer times to simply become a a complaint time. That's not what I'm saying. Because part of our, an essential part of our time speaking with the Lord and growing in our relationship with God is to praise Him for who He is. Give thanks for all He has done. But it's okay to say, but... I have this one deal that I want to talk to you about. Folks, this is, called, this is called a personal relationship with the Lord. A personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. Being able to share our heart, our thoughts with Him without fear of retribution or condemnation. And if you do not have that type of intimate, personal relationship with the Lord, then you are not where He desires you to be. The prophet's dilemma deepens. Why should God use an ungodly nation such as Babylon as an instrument of judgment on His own people? Habakkuk has boldly lodged his complaint and contentions and now he waits for God's supply, surely there is a logical explanation for all this that I haven't heard yet. Every believer should find themselves somewhere in today's text. And I'm going to make a statement again. I'm convinced that if you've never questioned God in the secret places of your heart, you are not serious about your relationship with him. He is a big God. And he can take our doubts and our fears and our questions. And he wraps them all up in his grace and his mercy. And he says this one thing to you today, church. It doesn't matter where you're at what you're going through what you've been through or what you're going to face he loves you and me with an unwavering uncompromising unfailing love for my thoughts are not your thoughts God tells the prophet Isaiah neither are your ways my ways declares the Lord For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a God in heaven and he is not us. And it's this, these key attributes which makes him God and us us. Yet he calls us to himself. In a deep, intimate love relationship, so that He can always walk through with us whatever we face, and if necessary, carry us through whatever circumstance we face. He's a good God. Amen? He's a good God. Do you know Him? Do you know this God of heaven that Habakkuk is wrestling with in this text? You can know him by coming to him through his son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the door. He is the gate. And by admitting that we are that sinful people that that Habakkuk just talked about, that we are that sinful people, and we need a Savior, well, God has provided one the only one, but He has provided that Savior and that means of having a relationship with our Creator. So as we stand this morning for this time of invitation, an altar call if you will, so many things could be prayed about but the most important decision you will ever make is what are you going to do with this person named Jesus? By not accepting Him, you have already rejected Him. And that does not end well. Matter of fact, it doesn't even provide what you need for life now. Because without Him, you have none. We'll stand as we have our invitation.